Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tiger Talk. I am your host, Taylor Davis, joined by Jason Campbell. And we are here to break down all the action from this past week down in Baton Rouge. Look ahead to the matchup this weekend back at home in Jordan-Hare. And stay tuned to the end. We've got a very special guest joining us to get some personal insight on all things happening down on the plains. Former linebacker Deshaun Davis is calling in and will be hanging out with us for a little bit, so you won't want to miss it. Jason, my heart hurts a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Well, I tell you what, Taylor, my heart hurts a little bit too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get through it together, you know? So, you know, so we just got to find a way to continue to get through this. But uh, I tell you what, there was a lot of positives to take away from this game. Um, That's true. At the same time. So, you know, we'll dive right into it. Yeah, as uh, as we've kind of hinted to, the Tigers got a loss this past week down in Death Valley, losing to LSU 23-20. to Now, if you listened to us last week, we, we all knew this was going to be the toughest test yet. I mean, LSU was the number two team in the nation, now the number one team in the nation, and we saw why. Uh, this, this offense is something very special. Joe Burrow is very special. Our defense played lights out. Unfortunately, our offense could not capitalize on it. And uh, uh, we lost 23 to 20. When you were watching the game, Jason, what was standing out to you as far as the negative? I hate to start with the negative, but let's go ahead and get it out of the way. What was catching your eye as you were watching the game as something that just was not working? Well, the thing that we talked about last week is the communication standpoint as far as when you go into a hostile environment, like you have to Mm -hmm. be able to, everyone got to be on the same page and uh, we got to make sure that we're not digging ourselves in a hole on first down. And that's exactly what we talked about a week ago. And what happened? We had five false starts on offense and uh, that just can't happen. You know, it's definitely not in in a game of this magnitude and with an offense that LSU possesses on when they get the ball. So, you know, we're now – Let's give credit to LSU defense. You know, they're a really good defense. Mm-hmm. On the back end, they have two of the top um, DBs that's probably going to be in the draft next year. So, but for us, so we knew we couldn't get first and 15 and, and second and 10s. And that's exactly what we was in for most of the first half because of all those false starts. And then we had a snap to go over the quarterback's head on a bad snap. And now you're talking about, now you're digging yourself in a deeper hole. So a lot of things that happened in that game were self-inflicted. And what I mean by that is, False starts, um, holding, uh, mm-hmm. bad snap, uh, just miscommunication, you know, within our passing game. Uh, so it was just some things that just got to, that just can't happen in the magnitude of games like this that we got to correct as we continue to move forward. And uh, I'm pretty sure Gus is all over that this week about, about those penalties. Yeah, I mean, if this was a situation where you needed the momentum that was created by your defense. They literally played textbook defense, and the offense was unable to make anything happen. And we talked about this after the Florida game as well. That was the problem in that game. The defense is doing everything you could possibly ask them to do in very hostile environments. And then as soon as the offense gets the ball back, it's it's everything falls apart. And, and that is – very frustrating. It's got to be frustrating for the players and the coaches. You know, it's frustrating for the fans. At some point, though, where do you shift? Like, if if it's Bo Nix, right, and, and he's struggling in the pass game, you bring in a guy like DJ Williams, who has over 100 yards in the game, but then 
he's gone for a while. Like, where is the disconnect on the offensive side of the ball? Do you, do you think there were issues with play calling? Do you think it was, you know, reluctance to swap out the quarterback position, which we will touch on the Joey Gatewood situation. Everyone remain calm. We will talk about that. But where was the disconnect on this offense? Because as a fan sitting at home, and obviously, you know, fans get short-term memory and we tend to forget the good things that have happened up until now this season. But you do start getting very frustrated when you see an offense that just is not producing and doesn't seem to be adapting. Right. You're exactly right. Like, it's frustrating because the fact that we have the talent, you know, talent is not our issue. Uh, you know, from top to board, you know, we're one of the better talented teams in, in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at us offensively, you know, if you think about it, we don't sustain drives long enough sometimes. Like yeah. we're getting these, we're getting these moments where we're three and out, three and out, three and out, and we didn't even get a yard or two. You know, there was a time in this game where, where I think in the second half we came out, we went three and out, three out of the first five possessions, and we had a total of three yards, Jeez. a total of three yards. Like that puts so much pressure back on your defense because that means they're not resting. That means time they go to the sideline, they get a cup of Gatorade, a cup of Powerade, and they right back on the field. So, and you're talking about playing against a team like LSU, which our defense, there was 88 plays, and they only gave up 23 points. So then you feel like for us offensively, like, okay, how can we help these guys out? We got DJ Williams, who had a really good rushing game. You know, we brought Booby in and run some of the Wildcat things and, and everything. But we have to find a way, like I keep telling people, we got to find a way to develop our passing game over the middle. Like mm-hmm. everything is so outside base and it's whether we're throwing the go ball or whether we're throwing like comebacks or, or anything, but we have to find a way to either involve our tight end or we have to find a way to involve a receiver that can make those catches over the middle because people are just, what they're doing is just pushing us towards the sideline on the outside. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week about like Seth Williams being that guy for Bo that's kind of his comfort zone. And Bo has a little confidence in knowing, okay, if my release is not exactly perfect, like Seth knows me well enough to make it happen. But you can't just mm-hmm. have one. Like I'm really, I'm, I'm expecting more from Sal Canella than what he's putting on the field. I, I, I think you've got all the athletic ability to be able to kind of make up for the learning period that your quarterback is in. And like, so as much as we put on Bo Nix for his need to improve in the past game, because like, that's just undeniable. You you, we're seeing it in these tough matchups. He's got to have people out there that are kind of working with him as he goes through it. Now, there are so many times that he just straight up overthrew or it just wasn't even in the cards for somebody to come down with it. But if it's hitting you, you, you got to help out your freshman quarterback a little bit more than what we're seeing. Right. We had some big drops in that game. Uh, you know, like I said, Sam Canella be the first to tell you, you know, he had about two drops, you know, kind of over the middle uh, that mm-hmm. would have helped us out and everything. And then you think about the overthrows. This is a big learning curve for Bo. Uh, you know, he has to go back and say, okay, I got Seth Williams, who's a big 6'4 receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. No matter who's the DB is, if it's one on one, I gotta at least give him an opportunity to go up and make a play. You know, so there was a couple of them we threw over his head out of bounds, where no one can even have a chance. And I like my chances with because we've seen that happen before with Seth, where he can go up and come down with the ball one on one. So I think that was a big learning curve for Bo this week and uh, and everything. But everything starts up front as well. And what sure. I mean by that, yes, our offensive line does a really good job of moving the guys in the run game, and we're getting positive yards on the run. But what is happening, what is hurting us now, Taylor, in this last game is when we get to the red zone, it seems like nothing happens. It seems like we we start playing to get three instead of playing to get seven. And 
And that's the problem because when DJ Williams had that long run at the half and we go down and I think he stepped out maybe like the seven yard line, you know, like at that point, there's no guarantee we're going to score a touchdown. You know, I was just like, oh, man, I remember telling the guys I'm watching the game with. I said, man, I said, I wish I wish we'd got that touchdown then because I said watching our offense over the year, over this year against a really good defense. It's hard for us to score touchdowns, even if we're on a three or the four yard line, because it seemed like our playbook just shrinks so much. And right. I was just like, so we got to find a way to get seven. Cause if we get seven there, now we're up seven points, you know, with the opportunity, you know, to put them behind the eight ball where they haven't been all year. You're absolutely right. That that is so true that there is not a sense of confidence. Like even after a huge play like some of the runs DJ Williams had, I, I'm still holding my breath. Like I I don't have the expectation that you you would think we would have given the talent that's on this roster. The confidence that comes when your offense is in those situations, it doesn't just do a lot for the fan base. It does a lot for the team. Like I I feel that there are guys out there that are timid. They are also taking on the mentality of we don't know if we can punch it into the end zone. That's a problem because that starts affecting your physicality and the way you play the game. You've got to play with a sense of confidence. And I see them lose that sometimes. And you're exactly right from the standpoint of, you know, we've been right there three points with LSU. We've been right there with Florida. And guess what? Florida and LSU took it down to the end. And Mm -hmm. the difference in that game was the interception that was thrown in the end zone. So we have the team to compete with the top five teams. If you look at us, I feel like we are a top five team. But I feel like we, we do things to ourselves offensively that won't let us get over that hump. And when you look at and when you look at us, it's kind of like our guys don't have no chemistry because they don't know if I'm going in this play, if I'm not going in this play. And it's almost like you will see Swartz for a little bit and you don't see him for a while. Right. You know? And then it's like, okay, where's Hastings? You know, he's the guy that can – can get match up with linebackers and safeties over the middle of the field that if anything, he can keep first downs going because he's a third down type receiver that creates those option routes and everything to, to get open. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I feel like in the run game, DJ Williams will show up for a while now. So you don't see him for a while. And so I feel like we got to find a way to, to get chemistry within our players so that they feel confident about what they're doing and when they're going to have the opportunity to do it. And the reason I say that, because if you watch the TV copy, we was inside the seven one time and everybody's running on the field and Joey was getting ready to go on the field as well. And all of a sudden Gus said, no, 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 you stay back. And to mm-hmm. me, that means that all week they probably practiced that in a situation where Joey was supposed to go in and run that wildcat situation down there. But in that moment, you know, Gus told him to hold off, you know. So then I guess from a player standpoint, that kind of like hurts your confidence because you're like, well, you don't believe in me? You know, right. Like, you know, so it, it goes back to those type of things. Like I said, I think um, we just got to get back to figuring out what makes our offense go, not against these teams that we know we can go out and beat against average defenses, but we get in these crunch time games, the Georgias, the Bamas, the LSUs, the Floridas. Like, what is hindering us when we get inside that 20-yard line? Like, what are right. what is holding us back? We got to figure that part out. Let's talk about the quarterback situation. Bo Nix went 15 of 35. Um, I hate saying he looked like a true freshman. Like, we keep saying that every loss. And it's like, well, because he is one. Like, everybody's got to have a little bit of grace, okay? The difficulty is why Joey Gatewood was not given opportunity 
Um, I thought it was interesting thinking back to some of our conversations we've had this season. When we had Carlos Dansby on a few weeks ago after the Florida game, he said Gus is prioritizing the development of Bo Nix. And in some situations, that might cost this team. And I didn't really, I didn't really get it at first when he said that. I was like, um, I'm not sure. Like, you, it is going to take a lot to develop a true freshman quarterback. So, like, I got, now I get what he's talking about because I think in this game, it was the perfect scenario to implement some some Gatewood packages, at, at least for a few drives. At this point, what do you have to lose? You are continually seeing Bo Nix unable to produce, but your defense is able to produce. That recipe of struggling quarterback and lights out defense is never going to get you a W. You've got to adjust on the fly. And with a guy like Joey Gatewood, who's sitting there at 6'5", you got to think he's going to be able to get something done against an LSU defense that has gotten real comfortable with facing a skill set in Bo Nix that is quite different than Joey Gatewood. So we're going to talk about the transfer situation, but before we do that, I just want to get your input on why this wasn't a situation that Gus would put in Gatewood. And do you think it was the wrong decision? I feel like the two reasons he didn't put in Gatewood, one is I think he's scared of affecting Bo's confidence. And, and then number two, he probably doesn't want a quarterback controversy. But my whole thing is we're, as a, we're a team. And when you're a team, you're trying to win games at at whatever cost we can do it at. And, and what I mean by that is, one, you're not going to lose Bo's confidence because I was a freshman before and I was pulled in the Florida game at home that we won. And I wasn't even having a really bad game. But the guy that was, a behind, guy that was behind me was a senior. So he came in. He can do a little bit of things, a little bit more advanced at the time. And guess what? We won the game. Did that shake right. my confidence? Oh, I may have been mad for a little bit, but guess what? We won the game, so I felt better because my teammates were happy, and I just continued mm-hmm. to work on my crap. And and guess what? It all came back to me. A year later in Florida, he gets pulled, and I get thrust back into the game, and then that's when my whole career took off at Auburn. So it's it, like you can learn a lot sometimes when you just take a step back and you get to see things from a sideline point of view when you're struggling. So in a game like this, with Bo struggling the way that he was, why not put in Gatewood and let and put him and put some packages in there and let him go out there and play and feel and see if it gives your team a little bit of a spark and right. see if we can put a little bit make LSU have to think a little bit differently because they haven't prepared for Gatewood. They prepare for mm-hmm. both. And even though we run the same offense, these are two different quarterbacks. And and one's a lot bigger. And so I'm just saying why not give the kid an opportunity to go out there, not just to see what he can do, but see what, if he can help the team by giving us a spark when we're when we're sputtering. And like right. I said, the, per, the perfect time would have been after halftime when we was three and out out of the first five series with only three yards. So I'm just like, get a guy an opportunity and everything to go out there and, and do something. But, you know, we can't worry about – I feel like we worry about all these other things instead of just playing the game of football – and let me tell you something. Bo will be all right because his dad, Patrick, played at Auburn. And his dad, Patrick, has gone through some rough games before. His Patrick has been pulled from a game before. And he's the perfect guy to sit there and, and help Bo get through that and help Bo continue to progress and learn and understand. Sometimes getting pulled from a game is part of your learning process. 
that's been what I, I haven't understood because I, on a couple of things. One, if you're worried about that affecting his confidence, like I, for one, in any facet of life, if I know that something that matters to me and something that I'm working toward has the potential of being taken away, I step my freaking game up because I'm like, I will be darned if I let this thing slip out of my own hands because of something I'm not doing. So maybe pulling him out and putting Gatewood in and letting him see the guy behind him have some success will light a fire under him a little bit. And I don't agree with the whole, it'll create a quarterback controversy thing. And I think that's a thing that a lot of head coaches fear, especially considering Gus has, you know, been in some of those conversations when he tried the quarterback carousel a couple seasons ago, sweet Lord, let's never do that again. But that's not the case. Like if your quarterback is having a bad game, maybe your backup is going to have a good game. Look what happened when freaking Alabama did it. Like Tua was struggling and Jalen came in and saved the day. And then the alternative happened. No one was saying, is there a quarterback controversy? It was, they've got two very able guys. And on any given day, one might be having a better day than the other. I, I just don't understand the logic behind it. And I think What's also very upsetting is a large majority of what has given this Auburn team success this season are seniors. So by the time Bo Nix is, quote, developed and and at the potential that we all think he can attain, these stars on defense will have moved on. And that's the hardest part, Taylor, about looking at this whole situation is we're losing out on a great opportunity when you got a defensive front that we have that's going to have two first-round draft picks you got a defense is going to be top five in uh, so many categories in all of college football. Like, defense win championships. Offense sells tickets. I always mm-hmm. say that because it's true. And our defense has been putting up championship-type performances in these hostile, on-the-road environments. And back to what you were saying about, you know, Bo and everything and Joey getting the opportunity, we had a game in high school this past Friday that I coached in. Our quarterback has been playing pretty good most of the season, and he was having a rough time. So we pulled him and put the backup in. The backup went out there and had a little bit of success. So at halftime, we put him back. We put our starter back in the game, and guess what? He lit it up because he had an opportunity to see things from a – take a deep breath first and foremost and see things differently. So when he got back out there, he was like, Coach, it actually helped me for a little bit because – My mind was all over the place. I had lost myself a little bit. So getting back out there and seeing it from a different view gave me an opportunity to understand the game that I was playing a little bit more. And I feel Mm -hmm. like if we can do that, which now I know Joe is gone. We'll talk about that in a second. But that's part of the development of a quarterback. Any quarterback that's ever had success has gone through rough games and has gone through getting pulled, has gone through somebody booing them, have gone through – Everything. If you're going to play this position and you're going to get to where you want to go, this is part of the process. I will be the first one to say the pressure that these coaches feel, especially in the SEC, and the the outside noise that they have to deal with on a daily basis is deafening. Like, I, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine the constant, like, struggle that they are constantly dealing with just because of the position that they're in. So I am, I'm not jumping on Gus for what he has decided to do because we all have to make decisions in the positions that we're in, in our lives. And they're not always going to be right. And and that's just case in point. It's very easy for all of us to sit here and watch it on TV and say what should have been done, but we're not in that seat. So I, I, 
I have to say that because I, I am full of opinions, but I'm very realistic that like that is a job that I have so much respect for. And I know it is way harder than any of us that have never been coaches can realize. But it does feel like, especially offensively, we are shooting ourselves in the foot. If I watch a game and I can see where that team was just better than us. I I covered the Carolina Panthers and they lost big to the 49ers this past week. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there were a few mistakes, but what it came down to was the 49ers are just a really freaking good team and they executed <laughs> near perfectly. If you watch a game like that as a fan, that's one thing. And, and the loss is going to hurt, but you can make some peace with it. The way Auburn loses y- – you have a very hard time accepting it because you don't feel like that is really the narrative of this team. It feels like that was the narrative of the play calling. And that is where it gets very frustrating because it feels like we are not reaching the full potential of this roster. And it's just like you were saying, Taylor, like Gus, like I respect Gus in all ways, you know what I'm saying? Like we have constant, we have communication when I'm on campus mm-hmm. and Gus would be the first one to tell you as a competitor, like, man, I got to find a way to do a better job of getting more guys chemistry and finding a way to score touchdowns in the red zone because it's hurting us. It's hurting us big time. And like I always tell people, who's your own word? Who's your worst critic? And it's always the person that you're looking at in the mirror. I was Mm -hmm. always my worst own critic. You know, like it wasn't so much what other people would say, but just I expected more from myself. And And I know I could do more and I know I could be better. And I think what Gus is, Gus is such a, you know, like he 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 recruits these kids, he brings these kids in, and so you're more than just a coach. You're a father away from home. So mm-hmm. I think what he's doing sometimes, it, it goes against us sometimes because you're trying to treat these kids with so much love, and it, it's just like you have your own kid. You give them so much love sometimes that sometimes it goes against you because, you know, they know they can depend on that love all the time. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you have to let them just go a little bit, you know, and I feel like when I think about our offense, yes, Gus loves both, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, sometimes we just got to say, hey, I'm going to give him the opportunity to make some plays in the red zone and just let him go and see what happens. And I understand where he's at. At the same time, though, I feel like us as a team to get to where we want to go by the end of this season, sometimes you just got to just let it go. That's absolutely right. Um, well, let's talk about the defense because a lot more good to talk about on that side of the ball. Um, <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about as an offensive player being given some gold by your defense. Uh, this was the game, an interception, especially on a guy like Joe Burrow. That That's not common. Two goal line stands, a fourth and goal stop. I, I mean, like this defense did everything that you could have possibly asked for them in a very tough environment against one of the most potent offenses in the country. So my hat's off to them and what those guys are doing. We kind of touched on it earlier, but defensive coordinator Kevin Steele is, I mean, I'm going to call him the GOAT. I think he is one of the (laughs) best defensive minds in the country, and Auburn is dang lucky to have him. Um, What he did to stop this LSU offense – was something special, and it was something that no team has been able to do thus far this season. He basically implemented a completely new look, a 3-1-7, which is 
quite different from what we're used to seeing from the typical base defense, which is basically a a 4-2-5 nickel, four down linemen, two linebackers, and five defensive backs. And then they also implement the dime package a good bit. But these guys basically took to it like a fish to water. I mean, like you would not suspect that this was such a new scheme. And what Kevin Steele drew up was so effective, like, No one has held LSU to that few points, 23 points. They are used to putting up 50 plus. So I think Kevin Steele is one of the best defensive coordinators in college football, if not the best. And it's a testament to these players to be able to implement a brand new scheme in a matter of a week. Yeah, there's a lot of countless hours that go into uh, developing a new scheme, especially during a week of you playing an LSU team that's scoring almost 50 points a game. I'm pretty sure Coach Steele almost slept at the facility. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so I hope the teachers at school didn't get the kids too many tests that week because I know they spent a, long, they spent a lot of hours of trying to uh, study their game plan and make sure they're, they're doing what they need to do to, to bring a W back to Auburn. For Coach Steele to put a 317 in, you know, within a matter of week, it usually takes you three or four weeks in an offseason to do that. He is such a a smart-minded coach, and he's such enthusiasm. A lot of football is off momentum, and a lot of Mm -hmm. football is off energy. And when you look at those guys up front, Marlon Davidson, and like I said, we always say Derrick Brown, and then you look at K.J. Britt, and you see Jeremiah Denson running around hitting the way that he was hitting on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Like, that's an energy thing. That's a thing that kind of like electricity just going through one person to another one to another one to another one. And you just feel like no matter what offense we're playing, no matter who we're playing on this day, we got it going. I mean, I I love watching this defense. They play with intensity. They play with energy. They play the way you want to see our offense play, honestly. And sometimes I I texted you this during the game because I, I didn't know if I was justified in feeling this way as someone who hasn't played the game. But I, I felt watching the offense, they almost play with like, a subconscious awareness that the defense will probably bail them out. And I think that that can almost be um, a crutch for a young Mm -hmm. offense, a young quarterback to feel like there's no urgency to this first down. You know what I mean? We were five of 18 on third downs and it just, it lacked a sense of aggression. And I think it's because our defense is that freaking good and the Mm -hmm. offense is aware of it. That can almost start to affect their mentality. Oh, it's very aware of it because the thing is, you know, mentally you may go in the game and say, Hey, our defense is going to keep the game close offensively. We just don't need to lose it. And Sometimes you go into that mindset, and I think that's what happens to us. You know, we keep bringing up the red zone and and everything, but a lot of it is true. You know, I think our defense, with them being so good, it created us offensively to have a crutch because we feel like, okay, guy, we just don't need to lose the game. And when people say that, what are you saying? Well, you're saying we can't turn the ball over. You know, we don't need to take unnecessary chances because we don't need to give another opportunity to to get them free points. So when you do that – you know, it's always like, okay, I know I got three. I know I got three. I'm not worried about that because we got a good kicker and we got good, great defense. But sometimes you can lose yourself. Right. And it's just the same way in life. Sometimes you can lose yourself because you get too comfortable. And I think for us, we got to get uncomfortable on offense and stop looking at it and saying, hey, we have this defense that's going to hold these teams and we have this, this kicker that's going to come through for us. And let's say, hey, you know what? 
let's just let it be right now because we're six and two and we're going to go all out for the rest of the season. So we get in the red zone, Sam Canella, Seth Williams, Hastings, all you guys get ready. Swartz, we finna start trying to make some plays and let you guys see what you can do and give you the opportunity. Agreed. Uh, I think this entire team needs to take on the persona of that defense, which they have the persona of Kevin Steele. So really everybody just needs to play like Kevin Steele would play. <laughs> I, uh, I've had the absolute pleasure of working with him whenever I've covered an Auburn game and, and we interview the coaches the day before. And when I tell you that man had me ready to run through a brick wall, I mean, like he, he will get you fired up. I think he he deserves a lot of respect from the Auburn family, from college football in general, but mm-hmm. for what he has brought to this university and the impact that he is having on these players is something special. And keep in mind, this is somebody who has been offered quite a few head coaching jobs and he turns right. them down because he wants to be at Auburn. He loves Auburn. He loves what he has brought to this team. He actually told me uh, the last time I interviewed him, he said, you know, I have a nice house on the water. I have a boat. I have a dog. <laughs> that's my happy place. And when I right. am done here at Auburn, that's where I'm headed. I'm not headed anywhere else. I'm not taking a head coach. Like he loves, he loves where he is and he loves what he's doing. And it, it comes through and, and you love playing for a guy like that. Like you can just see it in, in the way his defense plays. So my hat's off to what the defense was able to do and what Kevin Steele is, uh is implementing down there on the plains. Um, The last thing we're going to talk about before uh, we just touch briefly on the Ole Miss matchup this week is, of course, the big news coming out of this week, the fact that Joey Gatewood has left the team and will transfer. Um, Certainly not a shock, I'll be honest. I maybe didn't anticipate he would do it at this point of the season, especially considering Mm -hmm. his red shirt is burned, but um, I think you can't blame the guy for being a little frustrated after this past week, because basically the writing was on the wall. That was the perfect opportunity for him to get some shots. And and you got to think he has had it in the back of his mind. Like maybe I'm going to have my Jalen hurts moment. And uh, it would have been in Baton Rouge and Gus just refused to, to give it to him. And so it basically was a telltale sign that they've made their mind up and it's going to be Bo, but um, did, did you anticipate that it would happen this soon? And are you at all surprised? Well, I'll say this, Taylor, you, uh, you're ahead of some head on with everything. Um, it's trying to shock me to the point that it happened this point in the season because he's already burned his red shirt year. Uh, you no, know, as you mentioned, and now when you look at the situation is I can kind of understand the standpoint, but you never know what happens throughout a whole season. But, you know, the kid, it's different if there's a junior or a senior or a sophomore in front of you, you know, who you've already had an opportunity to see play. And everyone knows what this kid can do. But when both of you are both freshmen and one guy is struggling and you really haven't been given a real opportunity to go out and show yourself, that makes it a lot harder because you're sitting there like, okay, he's a freshman. I'm a freshman. Okay. He's struggling right now. Can I at least get an opportunity to go out there and just, see what I can do to help the football team. Certainly not what uh, he was 
hoping to do we know that this guy loves Auburn he picked Auburn for a reason and he was hopeful that he was going to get his shot but I mean you know as well as anybody your window as an athlete is is small and and you need to utilize that time to prove yourself especially for a guy like him that you know has NFL aspirations he's 6'5 like he should have NFL aspirations like he needs to be somewhere that is allowing him to showcase his ability to grow and improve and have a shot at his future. And and you know, it kind of started to seem like if I stay at Auburn, I'm forfeiting my dream. And so I, I respect it. I, I think it's unfortunate, but it's the same thing we saw with Jalen Hurts. Like it's, it's no discredit to the university that gave him his first opportunity. And, and I'm sure Joey would say the same. He's grateful to everything that he has experienced and learned at Auburn, but if you believe in yourself enough and, and your ability, you need to go somewhere that is going to allow you to showcase it. And and this is what he thinks is best for him. So like you said, all the best to him. I anticipate we'll see good things from him. As they move on from the loss, these guys are, are looking ahead to a home matchup and still a very important November. I mean, we can't discredit this season just because of of two losses and two top 10 losses. I mean, look, Florida is still rolling and and they're still mm-hmm. up there. So our losses are very reputable. Obviously, it's it's going to be more difficult now moving forward, but still a lot that could be accomplished, especially since we have Georgia and Alabama at home. This week, we've got a home matchup with Ole Miss. Definitely an opportunity to bounce back. I'll say that. I covered Ole Miss. I've covered two of their games so far this season. And I will say they've got some talent. This this is not a team to overlook. They have a lot of young talent. They also have a freshman quarterback in Matt Corral, West Coast kid. Uh, he he is a great scrambler. Uh, I mean, the, the defense is going to have to shut down the scrambling lanes for sure because this guy is shifty and can beat you with his feet. And they also have a lot of young receivers that have been getting a lot of playing time this year. So they're building a lot of chemistry on the offense. Luckily, we've got a defense that I think will be able uh, to stop them. And uh, this offense just needs to get back on track. What What are some keys for you, Jason, uh, for a home SEC matchup and coming off the loss to LSU? Well, I think the thing to look for is when you're looking at, at a team like Auburn is you just came out of a heavyweight fight and, you know, you just got You just lost a close one, you know, a 12 round battle. And, you, you know, you lost in the end. So how are you going to respond this week? You know, what's going to be your reaction? You know, are we going to come out? Are we going to, you know, feel a little sorry for ourselves? Or are we going to come out with the attitude of, you know, hey, we had a minor setback, but we still got our eyes on the prize. And whatever that prize is at the end of the season, it's going to be there. And the only thing we can control right now is how we come out and we continue to play football. And if you love the game of football, I don't think you have to worry about Marlon Davidson and Derrick Brown and, you know, offensively and defensively, the guys coming out to play. I think they're going to show up and they're going to play with an attitude and a mindset because at the end of the day, they still gained a lot of respect. You know, we may have lost the fight, but we still got a lot of respect. And and you're always constantly being watched. I always say the eye in the sky don't lie. So whether you're putting something on tape for this year that to build you off of in the offseason or whether you're putting something on tape as a guy that's going to the next level after this year, you still got a lot to play for. And the fact that you can put that blue jersey on and those white pants and that helmet 
and you're healthy enough to go out there and play the game is a blessing within itself. Absolutely. This would be a great opportunity for them to do that because it will still be a conference win. Being back in Jordan-Hare after a month away is is going to revitalize this team a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know as well as anybody uh, that that can give you a little juice to be back on the planes and experience the tire walk and be around the fans and and just kind of get back home. This Ole Miss team, I, I feel in my time covering them this season – I don't think it's it's this season they're they're growing and they're evolving and they're developing some young talent. But I really think Ole Miss is going to get back to being a, a team that contests in the SEC. I, I think they they're really doing a lot. Matt Luke is good gracious has he been dealt a difficult hand? Uh, everything that <laughs> right. they have had to overcome with. Uh, the allegations and and the scholarship limitation and the postseason ban. And I mean, the fact that they've been able to recruit the way they have uh, is a testament to this coaching staff. He's also brought in two coordinators in Rich Rodriguez and coach McIntyre that have both been former head coaches in the PAC 12. So, uh, the, this is a staff that knows how to make a good football team, knows how to execute well, and they've got some young talent that are being developed under guys like that. So I think this is going to be a team that gets back to the prominence that they've had in the past. Uh, so definitely not one to sleep on, not one to look past. Do I think this Auburn Tiger team will be okay this weekend? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I think it'll, it'll be a good one for them to kind of uh, dust off uh, the the bruises from last week, but I think Ole Miss is a team to keep an eye on, especially in in years to come. So uh, one that Bo Nix will want to you know make some notes on because he'll be seeing them uh, for the next <laughs> right. few years. But uh, Auburn fans definitely go pull for this team. I always say, as fans, a loss hurts, but it's way worse for the players. So uh, be the Auburn family that we all are and pull this team into another win. As, as someone that's played that game, like it does, you know, feel good to know that you still got everyone behind you. Win or lose, we're all Auburn. And uh, we're going to support you guys and we're going to continue to, you know, lift you up. And, you know, like I say, sometimes we all got to be criticized at things, but that's the only way you grow in life. Let's – uh. Let's get some insight from our man, Deshaun Davis. I'm pumped to talk to him, by the way. I covered him when he was a player, and uh, he's he's just a good dude. He's he's the definition of an Auburn man. Oh, yeah. Deshaun is an outstanding young man. Uh, guy that I have so much respect for. Um, you know, a guy that, you know, he, he walks around with a stiff neck, kind of like Takeo Spikes. So, you know, both of them play <laughs> linebacker. Yeah, I'm taking a shot at you, Deshaun, before you get a chance to take one at me. But, uh <laughs> So, you know, we look forward to interviewing him. Uh, can't can't wait to talk to him here in a few. And, uh, and Auburn fans, continue to follow this guy. He's a bread and butter yeah. Auburn guy through and through. And, uh, and this is the type of guy you would definitely be proud of. Absolutely. I will not be surprised to see him achieve a lot in his future. He, he just has that work ethic. So let's go ahead and bring him in. Deshaun, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm blessed to be here, I'll tell you that. Well, we are definitely going to talk all things Auburn with you. We want to hear about your time on the Plains, get your input on what's been happening so far this season. But uh, I'll, I'll start out first. Jason, you can jump in whenever you like. But I just got to ask you, a fairly recent transition for you out of college ball and uh, playing for the Tigers. What's it been like to kind of be on the other side of things this year? It's been uh, it's been very different, man. Uh, I, I told people the first time 
uh, me watching the game as a fan was the Oregon game. And um, I, I kind of tweeted after the game and say, man, this is what we've been putting y'all through the last four years. <laughs> watching the game, watching the game and not having control of the outcome is totally different than being on the field. Because on the field, you always come and you know you know what's going on. You know how you control the next play. But, man, sitting on that couch and just watching the TV is like, Every play you want to just be like, what y'all doing? Like, what y'all doing? <laughs> so it's kind of nerve-wracking, but I, I give a lot of respect to those fans, man. They put up with a lot. It's tough. I'm not even going to lie to you. Deshaun, I, uh, I don't know if you even remember this. I covered your senior day game last year. I was the reporter on that game, and – I pulled up my notes, went back in time from uh, an interview I did with you that week, and I was asking you about the legacy that you wanted to leave at Auburn when you were done. And you said, I want to be remembered as a physical linebacker who plays with passion and always be remembered as a leader. It's really important to be known as a solid guy off the field too, the guy who is always smiling and upbeat if you saw him on campus. That's what's important to me. I, I was really impressed by that answer back back then. Now that you've wrapped up your college career and, and left Auburn, when you look back, do you feel like you successfully did that? Yeah, I, I do feel like I successfully did that. Um, look, if you watch me play uh, while I was at Auburn, man, I was always a guy who uh, who wanted to set the tone for my defense, both uh, with his pads and with his passion. You know, I wanted to be the guy to Make, make the big play because I knew my unit around me needed me to do that. Um, I wanted to be the guy to bring the energy uh, not only to the defensive side of the ball, but to the entire team. You know, uh, that's why when I, when I made plays, you saw so much passion come out of me because um, I just love the game of football. And I, like I said, I knew my role as a leader for that team and I knew what I had to do for that team. And those two things were, uh, were, were high on that list. And then even off the field, man, um, I'm a big energy guy. I love to have fun. I feel like I'm going to always be a kid, you know, no matter how old I am. Even when I'm old as Jay Cam and I, I can barely walk, I'm still going to be a kid. <laughs> Shade! So, <laughs> I, I, just, I, I just love I love to bring positive energy, man. Um, I'm, I'm big on keeping negative energy away because this, I mean, as humans, we go through enough on a daily basis that um, can keep us down and that can drain us and, I don't want to be the guy to put my put my burdens on anyone else. So I I I, I actually pride myself in not having a bad day. So each and every day I wake up, it's like I got to find a way to make somebody else smile um, because I'm just I'm just naturally being myself, you know. So I I try to keep I try to keep that negative energy away. But like I say, man, I I just like to um I, I like to be the leader for my team. I like to play with passion. I like to make those big plays. And um, I do want to be remembered off the field as one of the great guys to walk this Auburn campus. I got a real quick question for you real quick as far as, like, what you're doing now. I know, you know NFL is, uh, is still a dream, and, you know, hopefully you get that opportunity. But with all these other leagues right now that they're putting out there as far as an opportunity for you guys to, to stay in shape and continue to play, are you looking at anything like the SFL or the, uh, you know, Canadian ball or anything just to get another shot uh, coming up this spring? I actually still have – I have NFL teams still reaching out to me. Uh, actually, have uh, two workouts set up for next week. If um, I don't get signed by one of them, I'm going to go to the second one. But um, right now, uh, like you say, the NFL is still is still an opportunity. Um, it's just the fact that I'm a 
I'm a rookie right now. You know, the NFL is a recyclable league. <laughs> it's like if you get – if you play for the Cardinals, the Dolphins think you can play for them. And then you can play for the Dolphins, the Texans think you can play for them. So they're going to keep those guys who are on their uh, the active roster. They're going to keep them fluctuating. But um, until I can get the opportunity, of course, the XFL is going to be something that I look into. We have, they have a draft coming up in um, two weeks, I think, um, for guys who were, like, waived by NFL teams and stuff like that. So if that, uh, that opportunity, you know, um, that door opens for that opportunity, I'm definitely not going to, you know, sit on it. It's, it's, like you say, it's an opportunity to put some, some good tape on film. Um, it's it's an opportunity to uh, you know make a little money here and there. So I mean the the, the game of football is, is the game of football, no matter what level you play on. And then, like I say, I'm a guy who loves the game of football, and anytime I get the opportunity to play, I'm going to take it. That's awesome. Good for you, man. Well, like you said at the beginning, it's it's been an adjustment for you to watch Auburn as a fan, and uh, this season has certainly had its ups and downs so far. From your perspective, what kind of potential does this team have, and maybe what were the what were the things that just weren't clicking this past week at LSU? Oh, I have to give credit to the defense. Um, they've been playing pretty good. They've been playing lights out this year, and um, also because I was once a leader of this team, and I know that the the fight that's instilled in these guys, man. These next four games are they're gonna be they're gonna be some some slugs best. I can tell you that. It's not gonna be yeah. an opportunity that you can go into a game and say, hey, Army's gonna lose this game or Army's gonna win this game. It's, it's not gonna be like that. And uh everyone know the famous saying that Army University, you remember it in November. And I, I had the opportunity to be on one of those teams to uh beat number one Georgia and number one Alabama. And a lot of people don't – well, when they think about Auburn football, they just say, hey, the offense is struggling or we're not moving the ball. And in uh, a lot of areas, that is true. But if you really think about it and you take a time to look at the schedule, we're actually probably three to five plays away from being 8-0 right now instead of 6-2. and two. And it's like, are we really having this conversation if we're 8-0? Like I said, man, people got to gotta actually calm down because when my, my uh, junior year, we were in the same situation. Lost to an LSU team, had to go and play Georgia at home, which was the number one team, and then had to come back and play Alabama, which was the number one team. No one gave us a chance in any one of those games. The only people who believed in us were the coaches and the players. And that's all we had. That's all we needed. And we got the job done. And this team had the same opportunity. You're right, Deshaun. When you think about the games and everything and how you play the game, it is basically like when you're in that locker room, you're on the road, you know, it's it's almost like you're locked together. You know, it's just yeah. you, and you and your teammates. But when you think of LSU offense that was averaging almost 50 points a game, uh, putting up over 500 yards a game, and if you was to come into the locker room and say they had 88 plays and you held them to 23 points, how would you feel as a defensive, uh, a defensive leader on that side of the ball? If you, if you tell me that before the game, and you say, uh, we're going to give LSU 88 plays and y'all going to hold them to 23 points, I'm going to ask, ask you, uh, well, how big do we win? Because <laughs> that, right. that, uh, that formula should normally uh, say W. You know, it, that should equal a W. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you have to realize that you're on the road in a hostile environment. It's, it's against the number two team in the country. Uh, LSU has a pretty good defense also. You know, Ojeron is doing a great job recruiting over there. He's grabbing a lot of the top players. Uh, I think right now he has like six, six five-star recruits or something like that, something crazy. 
have the number one class, and they're only going to get better. And um, like I said, man, we, we have some growing pains on offenses, a lot of things that we can fix, that we need to fix. But that just comes with the process. And when you're at Army University, man, it's week in and week out, you're expected to win and compete. You know, it's, it, that's just the that's the Army way. That's the Army standard. And if you don't get that done, then fans are at your neck. <laughs> but when you when you sign when you commit to play for Army and, and you you come to the SEC, the SEC West in particular, it's going to be top tier talent week in and week out. So, oh, those games like Saturday, man, it's just about finding a way to win. Well, before we let you go, just want to ask this. I love asking all former athletes this just because we all can unite on our love for Auburn and the Auburn family and just everything uh, that the school has done. So I love to just hear when you leave Auburn and, and for you guys, when you leave the Auburn Tigers football team and take all of those experiences with you. And for you, as you're continuing to chase that NFL dream and, and your future is kind of yours for the taking right now, what are some things that you learned during your time at Auburn that have really stuck with you and, and made you into the man that you are now? Well, um, my my story um, at Auburn is still, it's kind of unheard of uh, somewhat, my story in life period, but I've always been the guy to, um, you know, have adversity thrown his way. And um, just because of the way I was raised and some traits that my mom instilled into me and my family instilled into me growing up as a kid, I'm, I'm always the guy to highly compete with adversity. I wouldn't say I win all the time, but I win most of my battles. And um, it's, like I said, when I, when I got to Auburn, man, I had some things happen to me and um, I had some situations happen that it, it could have wavered me and um, it could have left me with an opportunity to transfer also. But like I said, I was that guy who – who always wanted to fight, who always wanted to compete. And um, I, I knew I, I knew I could be a special player, you know, at Army University. So uh, taking that, the, the, the trials and tribulations that I went through, I, I feel like I'm prepared for life because it's like, this is something that I love to do. It was almost taken from me multiple times. Um, I've always found a way to just grab it by the shoestring and pull it back in. And it's something that I'm going through now, and I'm going to do the same thing. So, like I said, man, I feel like I'm just – because of Auburn, I'm, I'm I'm immune to adversity. You know, I know what hard work is. Uh, it's kind of cliche because it's in the Auburn Creed, but when um, when people say Auburn players or Auburn team really works hard, it's truly a grind. I mean, the list goes on and on. I can tell you uh, I was highly recruited. Uh, you know, my, my, the back end of my junior year before I, I tore my ACL, and I had the opportunity to go to a lot of schools, uh, a lot of schools even in the SEC. And if I could do it all again, man, I wouldn't even answer the phone for another school. I just wait on Auburn to call. <laughs> it's like whenever y'all call, man, I'm ready. And that that's just how much Auburn means to me. I'm forever grateful to be an Auburn Tiger. Well. I don't think there is any better note that we could possibly end on. So we're going to wrap it up with that one. Deshaun, thank you again for joining us today. Always great to talk to you. Best of luck moving forward. That wraps it up for us here at Tiger Talk. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We love breaking down all things Auburn Tigers for you. Uh, as the team gears up for a home matchup with Ole Miss this week, everybody enjoy the game. Let's pull our Tigers on to another win. Get this thing back on track. Uh, for Jason and myself, War Eagle, everybody, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.